episode nine of the D&D Music Factory podcast. Dan, what is our subject for today? So for this week, we have chosen to count down the 10 best cover songs. So these are songs performed originally by another artist and then performed again by the artist we chose. Yes. And for this, because holy shit was this difficult to narrow down. We've, we had to make a couple exclusions, one of the big ones being it had to be a studio recording. And I think it, I think we both chose ones that were ju- studio recordings first and not songs we heard an artist perform live or saw an artist perform live and then they recorded later on. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's one that just the first time you heard it, it came out to you as a cover that was a stu- from a studio. So not, yeah, like I said, not, not a live one first. So that helped us narrow it down a little bit, but it was still insanely challenging to get it down to our combined top 10. There are literally thousands of cover songs that I love and wanted to put on this list. And I mean, it's like, it just becomes like, Oh, you can only choose half of 10. Yeah. And you're like, Oh no, I need at least 25 to get my, to get my full exploratory, like work acknowledged. Right. And I, as we were sitting here, even made a change to one of mine. So like, that's how, that's how, how much debating internally we've all been, or we've both been doing for this. Oh, it's been awful. Insane. I was, it was, it was literally like, Oh, you have to, uh, it wasn't literally because I don't have children, nor would I sacrifice them. But it was, <laughs> <laughs> it was like, uh, you know, which one of your kids, like you can only save two of them and you have four. Yeah. And it's like, well, Jesus Christ, man. Yeah. Like, I can't just leave some of them behind. It, it was brutal, but I think we did it. I think we did a good job. We got a great list. We had, we of course had a few, uh, that were, overlaps but and that's that's expected yeah um so with that being said what are some um some b-sides that you have that you want to say that maybe aren't aren't going to make it onto another list because i i know we both have some that are probably going to so to like uh, places too some so basically if by not wanting to make my entire list bob dylan covers i had to cut quite a few off of that um that really are phenomenal songs that i really love uh I've also made a a conscious effort to myself to stop using the word phenomenal uh, because it's in every single episode multiple times. And every time I listen back to them, I cringe a little bit every time I hear it. (laughs) So uh, the song that I really wanted to choose for this is Desolation Row by My Chemical Romance uh, Mm. that was used in the end credits, I believe, of the Watchmen movie by Zack Snyder, um, a.k.a. the only watchable Zack Snyder movie. So far. Yeah, so far. I guess that will it'll remain to be seen with that Army of the Dead yeah. starring Dave Bautista. I'm sure that'll be a absolute smash. Uh <laughs> I love zombies. So I do I I I I'm giving it a chance. It really I'm giving be. it a chance. I was I had my heart broken by Mortal Kombat. I can't survive this again. Yeah, well not well we should have known better. <laughs> we 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 can't keep falling in love like <laughs> That's this. That's on me. Yeah. At this point, you know, fool me once. Yeah. In the words of George Bush. Yeah. You fooled me twice. <laughs> I'm not going to get fooled again. Uh, so, yeah, I, that, I also have uh, uh, Such Great Heights by Iron and Wine. Mm-hmm. Um, and another that I'll also throw in there is Let's Dance by M. Ward, uh, the David Bowie original. Uh, that Some of these songs I kept off because I really only wanted to pick songs where I think that the cover version is better than the original. Okay. Um, and I think that that's very hard to do. And I even broke that rule on with one of my choices. Uh, but there's a bunch of them on here, like the immigrant song by Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross and Karen. O from the girl with the dragon tattoo soundtrack. That just replaces all the guitar and everything with just like, wow, that's amazing. Uh, so Dave, what, what were some of the ones that you had that can't make it? So at the very last second, I had to cut out, um, a cover of what a fool believes by the band self um, would have loved to have included it. But I just, after thinking through it again, I was like, you know what? There's something else that needs to take its place. Um, two really sad ones that I just didn't think would be fun to talk about, but are both worth listening to. If you never have um, one being uh, sea of love by cat power. The other is probably the most beautiful cover ever done is hallelujah by Jeff Buckley, but neither he nor that song is, is, fun to talk about it's all kind of sad and depressing so just didn't really think that that would be a fun podcast thing um let me see some other ones Himes that don't impress me much is really good it's my life by no doubt 
James Blake covering Vincent from Don McLean. Warpaint doing Ashes to Ashes. The Atari's Boys of Summer. Limp Biscuit Faith. How have we not mentioned that yet? Um, <laughs> Showing you that door, Rock got to have faith. There's this. Get there's, the fuck up. There's a million more. Fall Out Boys beat it too I, with John Mayer. That, that's actually not bad. Um, yeah, there's a lot. So hit us up on social media for some other ones too that we're not mentioning here because our lists are hundreds of songs long. And so. then also let us know. I had a few that were on my list that were like the worst ones I've ever heard. Oh, um, that those I think would be also very fun to do an episode of like that Britney Spears doing I Love Rock and Roll by Joan Jett. Oh, God. Like there are some. And then there's also Joan Jett doing um, Shout. That by Tears is for Fears? Probably one. Of, no, no. Like, uh, oh, throw like my hands me want to up and oh, shout. God. Like it is. Oh, my God. It's so bad. Yeah, um, that doesn't sound good. So, yeah, I guess uh, with that, we'll uh, we'll get into the list here. eh? Yep. Yeah, let's do it. So, Dan, why don't you kick us off? Uh, with your number five. Okay, so my number five is uh, the original Chopper Drop song released by the Jimi Hendrix Experience on Electric Ladyland in 1968, all along the Watchtower. Um, this was originally released in 1967 by Bob Dylan on uh, the John Wesley Harding record. Uh, the big thing about this is that this song was released as a single only six months after Bob Dylan's version. So Bob's version really wasn't out there for very long before this one came and just completely bolded out of the water. Uh, there's nothing about this song. Like this is, I feel like the perfect example of a song where a cover is better. Yeah, um, easily. Especially, I, Dave, you know I love Bob Dylan, but John Wesley Harding is probably what I would consider the first downslope Dylan record um, coming off the insane seven album run um, starting with the self-titled to Highway 61 Revisited John Wesley Harding being his second electric record um, that just it, it has a lot of like out of key harmonica which is really impressive considering if you know anything about harmonicas they are in a selected key yeah you can only buy them that way so you really can't it's very hard to be out of tune with it uh, but somehow he finds a way. Um, so this was the final album released before Jimi Hendrix's uh, early death in 1970 and the last studio recording that he ever did. Uh, this was... Um, it's ranked number 47 in Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs of All Time. Probably not high enough, um, to be honest. It's probably not high enough. This really is... This is up there with the Let It Be's and, you know, Ziggy Stardust of the music world like this is a perfect song um it really is the guitar man. solo is awesome i usually am so not a fan of wah pedals this has all of them and i love it like every little lead line is just soaked in it and it's the best uh, and my favorite thing about this cover too is that bob dylan who is known as a notorious curmudgeon um and really doesn't like people covering his music or diving into his lyrics or anything too much um, when asked what he thought about this song said it overwhelmed me really and that he was amazed at the talent of Jimi Hendrix and how he was able to find melodies and harmonies in this song that he didn't even hear himself when he wrote it and it just blew him away when he heard the cover so I think that is that is the best stamp of approval you can get when the original artist lets you know that they think your version is also phenomenal. Absolutely. Oh, I did it again. All right, so with that... Uh, well, hold on, I got I to gotta add a little bit to this, because right, this yeah, song yeah. is too fucking good to, to stay quiet, because I think this is like... If somebody somehow told me that they've never heard a Jimi Hendrix song, this is the first one I'm putting on. This is it. This is it. This is every part... I actually... I, when I was young and first started playing guitar, I got a wah pedal. Like people do, do that. We all we all make mistakes. Yeah, um, I still have it because I've never actually sold a pedal. I just keep them all, um, and I play this solo with with the wah pedal. It's the only time I ever use it is to play this song, and I I feel a little bit of something. Like I, not enough to make me use a wah pedal again, but it, but it just makes me happy. It's also this is like maybe a top three guitar playing song in my opinion. Like, it's just, it's perfectly done. Like, the solos are perfect. Everything he does is just so tasteful, and it's 
showy enough, but it's not overbearing. It's just, man, the fucking song rules. Oh, God. And I think it's one of those great songs where you can fully play it as just one man. You know what I mean? Like, it's not yeah. six layers of guitar that would sound bad as played just as a three-piece. Right. Like, you could full-on just play this yourself and have the bass carry you through the solos. It's Yeah, it's it's unbelievable. We talked about it before, I think, when we were talking about Cream, maybe. Um, just about how, like, a three-piece band can sound so full. And, like, this is, like, the epitome of that. Like, it's just every second of it is full of sound. It's it's amazing. It's so good. I I wish they could still record like that, but there'll never be another Jimi Hendrix. So there I never guess, will be. I guess we should stop hoping for that. All right. So with that, Dave, uh, what is your pick for our first pick? I guess for our uh, top ten cover song. Cool. Yeah. So number five for me is "Dancing in the Dark" by Hot Chip. Um, I think everyone probably knows this song. The original is uh, by Bruce Springsteen. Um, actually, this is the one that I subbed in at the literally as we were sitting here. So let me look up the date that this came out. Uh, 1984. All right. So um, everybody knows Bruce Springsteen. Not everybody may know Hot Chip. They are um, a very electronic band from England that has one of the funny. If you go to their Spotify page, it's just like they just look like the biggest bunch of nerds, which is hilarious. But they they make great music and this. This cover is really cool, and the reason that this nudged, nudged its way into the top five for me is because it's got a little treat for you at the end. A little, little something extra. That, a little morsel. Yeah, a little, little something that you're not expecting until you listen to it all the way through, to, uh, through for the first time. Because um, it's, it's two songs in one, which is, which is cool. Um, so, I love the original version. I just found out that you don't. I do not. I, so... I love Bruce Springsteen and I love every record up to Born to Run. Um, you don't like Born to Run at all? No, I do like Born to Run. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, oh. It, it, my interest oh, ends oh, okay. with Born to Run. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, so I really, really do not like this Bruce Springsteen song. That's fair. Um, I think it's like for how much people gave a lot of artists and everything shit about selling out in the 80s and like going 80s like dance synth and doing like the standard like you know just deciding to start writing Cindy Lauper songs I don't think anybody bent the knee as hard as Bruce did with this I think he was kind of forced to though like they did tell him he had to and like I guess you can you're, you're free to do whatever you want but yeah but I mean like, I, don't, it's, I don't think he really had I mean he's Bruce fucking Springsteen yeah it's not like this was you know greetings from Asbury Park right but but if they're like hey listen buddy we put like three million dollars into this record and we don't like a single song on it like something's got to get on the radio i don't know but he's free to do what he chooses and he i like the song so i am i don't even know why i'm defending his decision i like it i just i i hate the song i hate the video i, I love hate, the video like, i hate everything about it first of all that was like He's not a video guy. His songs don't have like in-depth videos. <laughs> I should he should have stayed that way. Yeah, but no, he shouldn't have because if he doesn't make this video, then Gordy Cox doesn't get discovered and there's no friends and more importantly, there's no Carlton dance because Carlton stole the dance that Courtney Cox is doing on stage to make his dance in Fresh Prince. So without this video I guess he was like, and this song. He's like, what would be a stereotypical white person dance? Yeah. And then he watched can, that video. Yeah. You cannot you cannot tell me that you want to live in a world where that dance doesn't exist. I wish I did. I wish I what? existed in a world that I didn't have to hear that song. That's that's insane. There's no way your dislike for this song could outweigh how great that that man's dance is. I love Carlton, but if Carlton did that dance to that song, I wouldn't love it. Well, he doesn't. He does it to Tom Jones. So he, that's why it's so. That's why yeah. it's so great. Yeah, yeah. He does it to every. Talk about selling out. But come on. All right. Tom Jones. Tom Jones never sold. Out. I guess he always was out. Also, there's like really funny pictures of Tom Jones that are on the internet, that are just like all these like funny angles that show that he's got like a massive dong. That <laughs> 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 like you can see like when he like turns and like his pants and stuff that there's just like. Of just Big a hog. hog in yeah. there. <laughs> That's hilarious. We could choose to cut that out or not, but uh, it's like a really funny known thing. I think I'm going to keep that. All right. That is actually really funny. I wonder 
have we gotten to the point in the song where the, where the little surprise happens? Well, if you haven't... Yeah, I think we're close. Um, it goes into All My Friends by LCD Sound System. Um, and we are both massive LCD Sound System fans. Oh, yes. We can at least agree that All My Friends is a great fucking song. Because yeah. it is. And I, I, I will throw you out of this house right now if you disagree. It's the best LCD Sound System album. Yes, it is. That's that's that's. Bad. Sound of Silver is... There's no bad songs on that record. Nope. It's, it's amazing. And I just thought it was really cool how they... I mean, you ever see those like older internet videos where the guy finds like a hundred songs that have the same three chords in their progression and then like sings all of them in a row? Yeah. Does like ten seconds of it. Yeah, it's, it's like, like those three like English comedians or whatever. Yeah, yeah, something yeah. like that. Yeah, like so this is like kind of it's not it's not as cheesy as that, but it's still like cool that they found two songs, same BPM, same same key that Yeah, absolutely. It reminds that, that me of really well. Dude, like what's his name? Uh what was that guy's name? He was like a DJ. And he used to always do like the goofy mashups on his albums. Uh, Girl Talk? Girl Talk. Yeah, I love Girl yes. Talk. Yes. Girl Talk was amazing. Um, what a time to be alive then. There was yeah. like two years where that was like. Dude, that was on That was how party. you. That was. Oh my God. I everywhere you went. I, was, I showed everybody I knew. Everywhere you went, that would play. It was so good. He, he used to like tour and would just have like a sampler on like a piece of like wood that he had like suspended to himself. And he would just like walk around the stage and like invite people on stage, and they would just come up there and dance with him as he just like went through his samples. That's why I always find I always find those like live DJ sets to be so odd. Yeah. Because I'm like, unless that guy's like live mixing something in front of you, I don't understand what he's doing up there. Well, some people do. You just have to go to the right ones. I, I guess. Yeah, I know. I'm sure. I don't. Some I don't want you do to like undersell what I do here. That's not cool. It's not what I'm trying to do. It it's sounds like, like it. Like, but I mean, so no, if you're going to a place because you want to dance and there's a DJ playing music for you to dance, that's what it's about. But like yeah. people paying like, you know, hundreds and hundreds of dollars for like a stadium tour. I don't know. Maybe we'll yeah. just cut, maybe no, we'll just no, cut no, my no, hatred no. out. No, well, we're leaving that. We're leaving that in. All right. Grumpy guy back here. All right. <laughs> you you brought up Bruce Springsteen and it just brought all this hate out of me. Yeah, yeah. I should have known better. All right. What's up next for you, Dan? That was that was my five. What's what's up for you? All right, so my next pick for the best cover songs ever is brought to us by Iron and Wine. Um and also, sorry, Iron and Wine and Ben Bridwell. Yeah, don't don't um, don't forget him. Don't forget Ben Bridwell. Don't sleep on old Ben. Um This is off their twenty fifteen album Sing Into My Mouth. And this is a cover of This Must Be the Place by the Talking Heads. Um, this was originally released on Speaking in Tongues um, in 1983. Uh, this is the album that they released immediately following working with Brian Eno on uh, Remain in Light. So this was like Talking Heads, David Byrne. I mean, I think this album might be him at his most brilliant. I would say so. Um, especially it's where it's just him. Like the brilliance is entirely his. Um, I mean, opening the opening track for the record with like Burning Down the House is unbelievable oh yeah and then this being the most pure kind of love song i've ever really heard david byrne write um and certainly up to that point with talking heads um most of his songs were kind of abstract and lyrically very odd whereas i think this one is significantly more straightforward um there's so many great absolutely incredible lyrics on here oh yeah um that are just great like uh you'll love me till my heart stops and love me till i'm dead and I feel like this version of the song really underlines the romance of this song more so than the original because it doesn't have the dancey drum machines and kind of the like chirpy guitars and everything. It's just acoustic guitar with like a lap or a pedal steel and some accordion uh, popping up in little parts. Um, there's some little southern draw to the singing to it. It really... It's so much, I mean, it's it's obviously a much more laid back version, um, but I feel like it makes me listen to the words much more. Um, and also, so with the original, um, turn me around, smack me on the head and say, ooh, is usually the super high note that David Byrne hits. And I think in this version, they address that so well, where you're kind of waiting for it to hit. And then 
it doesn't at first, and they hit it with a little harmony in a different uh, note, and then give it to you on the next bar around. That I feel like is such a satisfying little like flip on it uh, for this song. It's definitely like a much different take because I absolutely love this song. This is it's so perfect, it's so brilliant. And I love that you brought attention to the lyrics because I think that's like a very overlooked part of the song. Like, I don't really hear people talk about that too much, but it is probably like the most, it's definitely the most underrated part of it. It really is. Um, this song, I mean, it's, oh, there's that little, that little harmony that they hit is so fucking gorgeous. Uh, but yeah, especially a lot of people like, you know, try to clown David Byrne about his lyrics. And, you know, like, uh, there's water at the bottom of the ocean, which I get. Like, that song has some goofy lyrics. Yeah. And some of their other songs do, too. But also some of their other songs, like uh, like Withering Wind, um, is incredibly sad. Um, and I really think Byrne is probably one of the most genius people to put out records in the 80s. Um, uh, easily. Yeah. I think he really... Obviously, Talking Heads starting in 77, uh, but I think their two most brilliant albums were released in the 80s, uh, yeah. being Remain in Light and this. Yep. Yeah, and I I, I actually had a different version, a different cover by um, Brother Tiger is the name, uh, who, who does it, um, an electronic version of it. I mean, it, it doesn't, like you said, draw attention to the lyrics like this one does, but it's still very prominent and... I, I love this song no matter how the, or what version it is because of because of that. But I think too, um, if you've never seen it, they have maybe the best live uh, live performance documentary kind of thing. Stop making sense. It's it's incredible, and in that they do this, and it's just him and the like three backup singers with like a lamp, like a tall lamp and lampshade with the light on and, and they're just like standing by that and singing. And it's just such a cool version. And I'd love every second about this band, that documentary and the song. It's, oh, it's so perfect. It is. I always say that that is the best live concert movie that exists. It is. It has to be. Um, it's, it's always a toss up between that and the last waltz mm. um, from the band. But I really feel like uh, stop making sense is much more of like a concert film. Yes. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah. more, it tells the story of the band where it starts out and he does a psycho killer yeah, by himself yep. with a little boom box it's in so a cool. set that looks like his NYU college dorm. Yeah. And what's crazy is like, I think a lot of people who aren't big fans of them probably know that song the most. And we're probably like looking forward to that song. And then he just opens with it solo with just an acoustic guitar. It's yeah. Just like a very, just a, a very interesting way to get that song in there in, in a in an unexpected way. And then also a great cover uh, that I didn't mention before that is also Talking Heads though uh, is uh, "Take Me to the River." Yes, and that uh, that, that performance that in there. Performance yeah, it's so with the good. whole choir and there's like 40 people on stage for it. Dude, when they do "Love During Wartime" and they're all just like running in place. Oh my god! Dude, "Love During Wartime," the "Born Under Punch." It, uh, the whole the whole thing. So the cross-eyed and painless with the guitar solo. Ooh, yeah. Um, that is cut off. So anyway, uh. Yeah. It's cut off of the album version. The LP version that was released is only a single oh. LP, and it only has like nine songs on it. I didn't know that. That performance is like 16 songs. It's not even half. Huh. So like it's it's like, or the performance is like 16 songs, and the album has eight. Like it's crazy. Um, and I always say, I keep saying every record store day that comes around, I'm like, one of these times, man, Talking Heads is going to produce the entire concert on vinyl and you're going to be able to buy it and it's going to come with a blu-ray and it's going to cost 150 dollars and i will have and i'm going to buy it immediately yeah i will have buy two that. copies so i can keep one in perfect condition in case i fuck the first one up <laughs> but yeah it it still hasn't happened yet but every year uh me and the co-workers at the record store are like maybe this is the year yeah maybe it'll come around let's hope let's hope you're right yeah I, i've been writing my letters to santa dave <laughs> uh <laughs> So with that, Dave, what's your next pick for a best cover? All right. Up at number four for me is It's Oh So Quiet by Bjork. Um, so there's a little bit of confusion about the, uh, I guess, original version of this song. So let me – there is a version um, 
It's released in English. Uh, it came out in 1951. Uh, it was recorded by Betty Hutton. Um, but technically, that is also a cover because there is a German version um, by Horst Wagner called Und jetzt ist a still, which apparently translates to now it is quiet. Um, so technically speaking, this is a cover of a cover, which I also thought was an interesting... and <laughs> A double cover. Yeah, a double cover, which is why I had to include it. Um, it's... it's the, I actually listened to the German version, too. It's... Um, it sounds like what you would picture, like, the song that they were listening to in Saving Private Ryan. Like, it sounds like the quality that they were hearing back then. Like, you know the scene at the end where they're, like, all sitting around and hear a radio for the first... Yeah. Not first time, but or first time in a while. I just, it sounds like it, it was played on that exact, like, machine and just recorded with a microphone. It's it's the worst quality I've ever heard. Like, but, it's, like it's like the beginning of, like, Fallout 3 with the, like, radio yeah, and the blown yes, up bus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you can hear the whole thing crackling and not, like, not, like, <laughs> it's not, like, the charming crackling you like on a record. It's, like, a, oh, no, like, this is just shit. Yeah. Yeah. It's playing on a silver cylinder. Yeah. <laughs> Out of a tin can. That's how you're hearing it. Um... So, yeah, so technically speaking, it's a cover of a cover, but Bjork's version is just awesome. I love Bjork, and this song, I, I feel like when she probably heard that, she was like, oh, yeah, this is exactly the kind of weird shit that I'm going to do. Because the, the Betty Hutton version, it's it's almost identical. Like, she doesn't really change much. So all the, like, loud screaming parts and, and you know, going from quiet to loud with the big big horns and everything, that's, that's all in the original. So it sounds like a song that, like... This this Betty Hutton must have been uh, you know an, an earlier version of Bjork. I don't know too much about her, but it's um it's just cool. And I just love I just love the Bjork version. I think it's so cool. It sounds almost too like the music kind of reminds me of Christmas. I don't know why. I just feel Interesting. like I feel like it's like it's the music that you like a '90s Christmas movie. They're like running through a toy store, and that's the that's the like orchestral sounds that you're hearing. Yeah, it almost gives me a vibe like, <laughs> like the beginning part of it almost sounds like it could be from like Ratatouille or like a Disney movie like that. And then yeah. it explodes into this like Fred Astaire big band like jam. Yeah, yeah, and the it choruses. is. choruses, like it's really, and then with like Bjork's obvious Icelandic accent lending mm-hmm. to it, like it's, it's a very odd song. I really do like it though. Yeah, it's definitely. Having not heard this before. It's definitely different. Um but not for her. Like, I think this is definitely one of the more, like, commercially or, like, widely acceptable sounding songs of hers, I guess I would say. Maybe that's not true. Like, I, I have a hard time, um, like, I like weird stuff. So, to me, it, like, some things don't sound weird, but I feel like I may assume it sounds weird to other people without it actually sounding that way. I don't know. It, I, don't, I think Bjork's probably, Bjork's, like, a step further than I think... For most, most, most like normie folk would be interested, but in. we all knew who she was our entire lives. So like she's still in like pop culture, maybe just for being yeah, but weird. I feel like we knew she, w- we knew who she was when we were young, because she was weird. Because she wore a dead swan to the Grammys. Yeah, that's also true. You know what I mean? Like I had never heard Bjork's music at that point. Yeah, I hadn't and either. Literally, it was just like, huh, look at this weirdo, and you yeah. were like, yeah. And then you heard her music, you're like, oh, she's a genius. Yeah, and I think I just assumed everybody from Iceland was like that, too. And that's not the case at all. It's not? They're no. not all like that? No, they're not like that at all. Um, I also... One, they all speak English, which is cool. Um, they're all just... They're just quiet. Like, none of them... Maybe it's just, like, a weird, like, secret where they, like, all go home, turn off the lights, and then put on weird masks and shit. But, like... When the lights are on, it's and like midsummer. Exactly. It, yeah, it's like all like well, it's another Nordic country, you know. So maybe, maybe that's how it is like everywhere. But yeah, I Bjork's great. I love this song, and I had to, I had to do it. It's it's one of my favorite covers, even if it's weird to other people. All right, cool. So, Dan, what do you have up next for us? Okay, so my next pick, um, another song that I truly believe is uh, much better than the original version is. This is Rage Against the Machine doing The Ghost of Tom Joad. Uh, This is released on Rage Against the Machine's Renegades album in the year 2000, but originally was released by Bruce Springsteen on the album The Ghost of Tom Joad in 1995. Um, 
This is a song that sounds nothing like the original. Um, the big, huge, fat riff that opens this song is it, it does not exist in the Bruce Springsteen version. Um, literally, the only thing that is similar in these at all is the structure and lyrics um, <laughs> in the verse, chorus, and the and the words that they physically use for the song. Um, obviously, the song is based off of uh, the main character of John Steinbeck's 1939 novel, Grapes of Wrath, um, being Tom Joad. Um, as a man who exists as a sort of folk hero um, of the underprivileged, the the beaten down working class man. Um, and this song is about wanting to, you know, summon his spirit, um, sitting around a campfire at night and wanting to absorb his spirit and be that voice for your generation. Um, the way Bruce Springsteen was kind of the, the blue collar working man, um, songwriter of the 70s. And then I feel like Rage Against the Machine very much encapsulated that like youthful rage in the '90s. That to oh, yeah. use their name, but uh, that sort of anger at a, a system that wasn't there to support you, a system that wasn't there to be your friend. Um, you know, tired of getting fucked with by cops just for skateboarding or hanging out. Tired of getting hassled for just being the wrong color in the wrong neighborhood. Um, this band was completely that message yeah, um, and that rage embodied into four people playing music um, this song I mean like I've grown up obviously since hearing these songs but I still think Rage Against the Machine fucking slaps oh it's yeah still like I know it's not you know these aren't the deepest songs that have ever existed but like you still feel these rageful moments like in your life you still feel you know, every time you, you see a bit of injustice, like, Jesus Christ, if you watch the news at all, you're like, why the fuck are these songs still valid? Um, well, <laughs> for the wrong reasons now, because now it's, like, super, like, uh, white conservative people using these incorrectly and thinking that they're, or, or they're just finding out for the first time that all of these songs are, like, against them and not with them, and they're like, wait, what? Yeah, like, this band should stick, stay out of politics and get to playing music. It's like, oh, well, no, they shouldn't because their guitar player, Tom Morello, has a fucking political science degree from... A master's. A master's in political science degree from fucking Harvard. Like, yeah, he, I would say he's probably more qualified to discuss any of this than you, regular man. Like, get the hell out of here with that. It's definitely true. Um, so this song uh, originally was released in 97 by them, but not officially. Um, but it was sent out as... Uh, companion piece with their VHS home movie uh, that was pressed on a 45 and a single and sent out with that um, the best lyric in this song is just a well placed rah that hits <laughs> it's it's my favorite thing ever um, and this song when it finally ends with the lyric uh, open your eyes man you'll see me um, it's it's perfect man this song grooves so hard um, all the little delay pedals and like weird little the muddy, super dark fuzz that's on the bass uh, for a lot of the verses. It's perfect, man. And the lyrics couldn't fit um, the standard Zach De La Roca lyricism any better. No. Um, you know, wherever you see a cop beating a guy, wherever a hungry baby cries, like, look around, Ma, you'll see me. Um, it's a great, a great encapsulation of what Rage Against the Machine was all about, and I think a perfect cover so yeah. that is why I chose it and it's also like like I was just mentioning it almost feels like the song like was unintentionally written for him it's like it's it's so it, it, it's just like their lyrics it's just like their song it, it doesn't even feel like it's a cover because, yeah it's surprising that yeah. someone else wrote this yeah um, and this was an album that was full of great covers um, Renegades of Funk is on here Kick Out the Jams so by MC5 um, and then also uh, Take the Power Back is on here mm. Um, they also unofficially I don't know if it was released on the album but Fuck the Police was on here too was it? Um, it was not released on the album oh maybe that's why that, they would perform that song live um, oh, okay. and they did when they were protesting the Philadelphia DNC uh, back then they pulled up on a flatbed truck and started playing uh, before getting arrested immediately that's um, so good uh, but yeah so um Let's move on to uh, your next pick for top uh, cover song. Cool. All right. Up next for me is Close to Me by the Get Up Kids. So this one is um, 
an original by The Cure, who is like, I don't know what your thoughts are on The Cure. I love them. Love them. Great. They have so many songs of theirs that have been covered. It's awesome. Like, they're weirdly one of the most covered bands, I feel like, that have ever existed. There's so many popular covers of their songs. This one's definitely not, like, as popular, I would say, but it's, like, two guys who grew up listening to a lot of pop pop punk music. Get Up Kids are huge, and this song, this is my favorite cover that they do. They actually had uh, at least three on this record, Eudora. I don't remember if there's more or not, but it was kind of a toss-up for me between this one, uh, Alec Eiffel by the Pixies. I think their version was really fucking cool, and then... They also cover Suffragist City by David Bowie on here. Um, they're all really good. They're all worth listening to. The whole record is. But this one's my favorite. Yeah, I definitely the, think you made the right choice. This, thinking, thinking it through again and again, this is definitely the one that I wanted to go with. Um, I love the original version. It's obviously like much more 80s and different. Um, and this like pop punk version is definitely like... It's definitely... a a, a different take it's not a hugely different version of the song but it's it's much more fun um and easier i think like it's much more upbeat sounding i guess than than the cure usually is yeah but like in the in the verses it sounds very similar to me with the just that little like fisher pricey like synth sound yeah. and the drums yep and like that's all it's really giving you yep yeah so um there's a quote i, I found recently um so Q Magazine did uh, 1001 Best Songs Ever and actually included this on there. I don't think I have what number it was, but um, but Robert Smith like just like straight up didn't agree with it, which was kind of funny. Um, here's a quote from him. From him. Uh, it's weird because of all the songs we've written, Close to Me doesn't spring to mind as one of our best songs. It was a slightly surreal moment on the record and wasn't even a definite album track during the recording. It was only when I did the vocal and got really extreme on the production, making it really claustrophobic sounding that it came to life up till that point it was average um it's just i guess i don't know what else i would expect that's the most do. robert smith yeah but like say. he just like just straight up this is into one of my good songs yes it's not it's not even that good i don't know why i tried to do that accent but <laughs> anyway um so apparently um the video um he had a dream where he was stuck inside of a closet that just kept falling and falling and, and they actually like found a way to turn that into a music video which is, which is interesting but I think the, the video idea is what convinced him to like put more behind the song I don't know why it's fucking great I mean maybe it's not like the most like prolific um, showy song that you could write but it's a good song I, don't, I just no, don't understand I, I why you would not like it I think the simplicity of it is the beauty of it yeah it, like the fact that there's not a bunch of layers on top it's not this big giant like track it's not like a but i mean cure at that point weren't really like this is they were never this, big this giant was on tracks, was yeah. this on kiss me uh no it was on no, i don't have it i just have the sixth album oh the head on the door sorry head okay, on the door head the, on the door yeah i did have it sorry so um, yeah like it wasn't you know it's not like this was on like disintegration yeah. Where, like, they had, like, way more production and were doing way more, like, almost, like, alt-rock songs, which is my favorite Cure record. But, like, yeah. Like, so I don't get his... I don't yeah, know. whatever. It, you don't have to like it. It's fucking Robert Smith. We man. like it. And the Get Up Kids did an awesome cover. And Get Up Kids are great, too, so listen Ro- to them if you Robert haven't. Smith, the sad, dancey poet laureate that you don't have to feel bad about liking. Cough, <laughs> Morrissey, cough. All right, Dan. That's, uh, that's my choice. Uh, what do you have up next for us? All right, so up next I have uh, this is this cover version is by PJ Harvey, and the song is Highway 61 Revisited. Um, this was released on PJ Harvey's album Rid of Me in 1993, and originally was released by Bob Dylan on Highway 61 Revisited in 1965. Um, this is PJ Harvey's second studio album, um, and this was suggested to her by her parents who were huge Bob Dylan fans that she should consider covering the song. Um, she recorded and wrote a lot of the songs for this record um, while returning to her hometown in England uh, because she basically had like a big time, like nervous breakdown while on tour for the first album dry um, in the States and doing um, international touring. 
She said she wasn't eating right and was like doing a lot of stuff she shouldn't have been doing and just basically like had a complete collapse. Um, so this song was when she recovered and she went and recorded this album is produced by Steve Albini, who I think is the I didn't know that he was the biggest '90s. Uh, producer that I can think of, uh, you yeah. know, Siamese Dream, Nirvana's in Utero. Um, the guy's just a fucking genius. Did the Pixies, uh, Surferosa, um, did all of the Slint records. I mean, uh, Razorblade Suitcase by Bush. This dude's just awesome, and he knows how to make drums sound good. It's the biggest thing. If you if you feel free, go on Wikipedia, go on YouTube. He's got a whole series of videos. The dude's like a goddamn genius. It's insane. Yeah. Like. He has a room in his studio where there's a four-inch gap between the floor and the walls, and then there's an empty room below it. What? And he explains that why that's necessary for the thermodynamics of drum sound. It's ridiculous, man. Right. Um, so anyway, this song um, was... Uh, ugh, so um, this song is about the junction of Highway 61 and Highway 49 in Mississippi, which is the notorious crossroads um, where Robert Johnson went and sold his soul to the devil. Yep. And you'll hear in the lyrics that there's five stanzas in this about people wanting to approach and ask for solutions to their problems. Um, some of them also end up like kind of tying in with previous Bible verses and things like that that uh, Bob Dylan wrote about. Um, so uh, Paste Magazine said that this was the 15th best Bob Dylan cover. Um, it certainly is not as good as All Along the Watchtower. But I really like this song, and I feel like PJ Harvey needs to get more love. And I think I placed it higher than All Along the Watchtower just because I feel like I've heard that song so many times in my youth growing up and everything that maybe it's softened it a little bit for me, but I think this needs more... This song needs more love. Um, Fair point. So also, this was... Bob Dylan's uh, first foray into electrified music um, on Highway 61. This is when Bob Dylan, quote unquote, went electric and pissed off 70% of his fans who would show up at the concerts just to boo and hiss at him. Um, they absolutely hated it, uh, which I think is really funny. But uh, to end my last little note uh, that I thought was very fun was that this song is named... Uh, number 153 on the Rolling Stones 500 songs that you have to hear. Nice. Um, pretty interesting considering it's up from number 406. Now, I don't believe that that is for the PJ Harvey version. Um, <laughs> I think it's probably for the Bob Dylan version. But uh, that's where we're at. So cool. Uh, this is also uh, Bob Dylan's Highway 61 uh, is often referred to by uh, music writer Michael Gray as the record that started the 60s. Interesting. I've um, never heard of that. That was the warp into electrified, you know, big guitars and Jimi Hendrix and, and not writing, Neil Young. And I want to like, hold your hand. Yeah, and not I want to hold your hand or not, you know, flower power, mamas and papas. You know what I mean? It was more, it was loud, it was raucous. It was, you know, it was powerful. Um, and I think nice. that's what he meant. Very cool. All right, so Dave, with that, uh, what is your pick for uh, your next favorite cover? All right. Up next for me is I Will Always Love You by Whitney Houston. A little bit of an obvious one here, but uh, it's just too fucking good not to not to include on this list. So um, it, this almost, I have to admit, this almost made it onto the movies episode. But uh, I hope we're in a safe space here. I've never actually seen The Bodyguard, so I can't in good conscience include that. <laughs> In a in a movies list, if I never saw the movie, so it's. it's I mean, you're not I, missing a lot. I knew this song is the best thing from it, and I knew that I'd find another way to, to talk about it because it's just too good. And there's going to be there, there's a million reasons why we could could have brought it into one. But. I think I think also this would have been eliminated from our list because I think this was written for that film. Oh, that's a good point. Where the too. cover was done well, no, for that. The cover was, but the song wasn't. Yeah. No, the song, the song was written was way written. before. Yeah, but yeah. you know what I mean. Like, yeah, yeah. So the, the song, um, for those of you who don't know, is originally by Dolly Parton. Um, it came out, or she wrote it in 1973 on the same day that she wrote Jolene, which is just insane. And I think I actually mentioned that in another it's a, episode. It's a busy day. Yeah. Unreal. Um, so she she put out um, 
her version, Dolly Parton did, and it was a, a farewell to um, Porter uh, Wagner, who was like the, the showrunner of a show she was on, and she decided to leave the show and pursue her solo career, so she kind of wrote this as a farewell. And um, she gave him the the profits and rights for this song, right? Uh, I don't know that. I heard that that was like the thing. She like left him with this. Interesting. Like this was almost like a, you know, like a little blank check to just like leave him of like, hey man, here you go. Yeah. What's crazy is that like, then she just filled in whatever money she would have made with the millions it probably made from the Whitney Houston version. Yeah. Absolutely. Like, that definitely. Um, she still gets songwriting credit, right? right. So like, yeah, so that's that's funny. Like, it's funny that it worked out that she ended up getting uh, credit, uh, extra credit for it anyway. But that's that's wild. So, um, even for Dolly Parton, this was a huge um, commercial success. So it was it was actually on the Billboard charts twice because she re-recorded it in 1982, um, and I think it's like a slightly different version, not as country sounding, but it peaked. Um, I think it was number one both times. Um, yeah, 1974, number one, and again in 1982. Uh, the only other person to do that was Chubby Checker, who recorded the twist twice. I don't know why. I didn't have time to look into that. but That's, That supposedly is the highest-selling single of all time. And it's twice. <laughs> twice. Yeah. Maybe Which, that's why. <laughs> yeah, I think that might got be got a why. double dip. Um, then again, it happens in... Um, in the 90s, when uh, in, in 1992, when Whitney Houston's version peaks on the charts as well, and then again when she passes away, um, it comes and shoots back up again. So it, it's been number one like four different times or something crazy like that. So obviously, this song is incredibly powerful, and though Dolly Parton's version is very good, um, Whitney Houston may have the best voice ever, and this is probably like her defining song showing that off it's just this is just it's just so soulful the way she sings it it's it's incredible and i don't believe the original has a key change i don't know why they added that but that just makes the song like hit you again towards the end and it's just like oh my god here it is. we're back yeah oh, oh my you god didn't, so you didn't good. think this vocal performance was insane enough yeah now we're doing a key change and she's going even higher yeah and you thought key chains were only for bon jovi you were wrong they're not just for Bon Jovi. They're not just for Bon Jovi. Listen, Dad. Yeah. Um, yeah, I can't say enough good things about this. Obviously, it's sad as shit that she's no longer with us. Um, but while she was here, she made some incredible music. And though this is a cover, this is one of her... Definitely not, a, a generational voice, man. Oh. Insane. Multiple generations, maybe even. Like, she just was... It was such a powerful voice, man. And this is the song that was always really fun when you were watching... Now, I'll say this early, early seasons of like American Idol when that first came out and they'd always have like some slob come on there and try and do this song yeah. that could like barely fucking sing. You got to walk before you can run. Yeah. And you were like, dude, like, what are you doing? Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? I'm not like Leave you know, that one for the pros. I'm not a pro swimmer. So you don't see me like throwing myself in the middle of the ocean, man. Right. Yeah. Like, let me go race. Uh, Michael Phelps because I swam around my pool one time. Yeah, we're like, you yeah. know, you know, uh, I like to drive my car around the neighborhood a little quick, so let me enter the F1 at Monaco. Yep. Like, see how I do. I actually, that doesn't sound like a bad idea. <laughs> you would die immediately. I would die. Well, we're, in their we're cars. discussing the G-force of those cars. In their like, cars, I would die. In my car, I wouldn't, it would just be like driving. <laughs> my car's got six airbags, bro. Yeah, yeah I'd be I'd be safe. It's a Honda. Rated, rated, They're rated, rated very highly. Rated number one. Yeah. <laughs> Come on now. I don't even think... Uh, it could probably go like 120 miles an hour. I don't the, even know how... Slap the hood. How? You know how many safety rings this baby's got? <laughs> how how fast can a regular car go? I don't even regular know. Regular car, 100, 120, 125. That's what I'm thinking. Usually they're governed at that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, I don't think I could really hurt myself Fast car, 140, 150. I definitely don't have a fast car. I have a regular car. Just a regular man with a regular car. <laughs> All right, well, now that I'm depressed. Just, uh, just a man of the people. <laughs> All right, Dan, that's that's my pick. What do you have for your number one cover song? Okay, my number one cover song is Superstar by Sonic Youth. Um, this was released in 1994 by Sonic Youth on a tribute compilation called If I Were a Carpenter. Um, features some other... 
kind of indie artists of the day, Four Non Blondes, Sheryl Crow is on there. There's some other jabrones too. Uh, but the real standout song is this. Um, this was originally released on the self-titled Carpenters album in 1971. That uh, it was, it's also, uh, Dave, as you're mentioning, a double cover uh, where this originally was written by uh, Bonnie and Delaney and Leon Russell hmm. um, and was originally released by them and then released by the Carpenters. Um and then released by Sonic Youth. Hmm. So uh, a lot of people have covered this song in the past, but I think this is the most interesting one. I don't think there's a song that we've selected yet that sounds so unlike the original. Yeah. Like, this is so weird and creepy, but also, like, sad and longing. And, like, has a lot of that signature, like, Sonic Youth, like, dissonance and feedback and, like, strange background noises yeah there's a lot of that that are so great but it's also like dancey and like a weird like like i could picture like a buffalo bill like, dancing <laughs> in his like in his living room oh, like God. over the hole of his little dog just, like, just holding the dog yeah, yeah just got the dog in one hand and tucked back and uh, you know it's uh, so like creepy sounding um i love that there's like all these space laser gun sounds in the chorus yep um it's just it's got so much sonic youth to it it's so gorgeous it's it's almost unrecognizable as a cover song like if you were like oh this is a sonic youth song i would just say yes yeah um and also richard carpenter um of the carpenter couple that made up the carpenters um (laughs) when asked when asked about this cover just simply said he doesn't care for it Oh, <laughs> which is so great like that's a, it makes it better that they like made it, it so does. different and it just that it pissed him off i love that the nerd. original guy that wrote it is just or he didn't even write it yeah, like, he didn't even write it so that's why it's like why do you get to have an opinion on this at all yeah you didn't even write the song but i love that <laughs> that they put their version out and they're like hey man what do you think and he was like i i don't care for it <laughs> like that's him trying to be like polite um jackass but yeah that's why uh this was also i heard this um that i had a hard pick when we were doing the songs about movies yes i was going to include this because this was featured in the film juno oh um, i was going to say something oh this version yeah, yeah, yeah this yeah. version yeah this version when they go they're hanging she's hanging out with jason bateman and she's like oh like i love uh, this and he goes oh do you like the carpenters and she was like yeah chick drummer like cool band yeah i love them and he's like oh i bet you've never heard them like this and he pulls out this Sonic Youth uh, track, and it's it's so good. That was the first place I heard this song. Yeah, same. I also um, love in that, uh, I don't know if it was the same scene or a different scene where they danced the Mocha Ruple. Yes. That, yep, that, that also was the same been, one. Yeah, that's cool. That was also weird, though, Terry. Yeah. Um, I was going to say the original version in uh, Tommy Boy. Where yeah. they're, they're like, you change it. No, you change it. And then they come out of the tunnel and they're both screaming. Yeah, they're, and they have, they have tears coming down their face. So like, God, that, movie. Uh, that movie, dude, when they're doing REM End of the World. Oh, yeah. Nine o'clock TV. Yeah, don't know a single Man word. Leonard Bernstein. Yeah. yeah. Um, God, yeah, movie's brilliant. so good. Um, <laughs> Classic Rob Lowe. Oh, dude. These shoes are Italian. They cost more than your life. <laughs> um, There's so many great lines. Like, does this shirt make me look fat? No, your head does. Yeah. <laughs> um, I love it so much. It's so good. Um, and then uh, what's his name at the end of that was perfect. Um, uh, I can't think of his name from Ghostbusters. Dan Aykroyd. Yeah, Dan yeah, Aykroyd. Dan Aykroyd. Oh, when he, yeah, he's... Like, you slid one past me, kid. It's not going to happen again. Yeah. <laughs> so savor it. He's like, send him a bottle of champagne that says, congrats on the... Congrats on the seal, and use the ice or use use the bucket to ice down your marbles. <laughs> um, Very underrated Dan Aykroyd performance, uh, dude. He was so good. Um, I'm the every man. He's like the truth is every man's a sucker. Yeah. Uh, he was brilliant. All right, so Dave, with that, uh, what is your number one pick for our uh, top covers? All right, number one for me is the Book of Love by Peter Gabriel, and this is a cover of a song. Technically, by the Magnetic Fields, um, the guy, um, Stephen Merritt, just kind of wrote all the songs and then just said, like, yeah, they're, they're my band songs, even though it was just him. Um, so it always it's credited to him, but it's a Magnetic Fields song. So 
1999, they released a three-volume concept album called 69 Love Songs. Nice. Um, nice. And each one of the albums had <laughs> had 23 songs on it, and this was somewhere in the middle there. I have not listened to all 69. Um, I don't know that I ever will. But um, you saying you haven't done the full 69? No. Um, so yeah, so they um, Magnetic Fields actually went to uh, London in 2001 and played that all did the full circle of 69, completed it, and Peter Gabriel came out at the end. And they closed with this, and he did an encore performance with them. And then a couple years later, he recorded it and released it um, as part of the soundtrack for um, Shall, Shall We Dance, uh, which I've never seen. Um, but then he released it again on an album called Scratch My Back, which I have heard, which is just a full album of his, of him just doing like uh, like orchestral and vocal covers of a lot of different artists. And there's a lot of great covers on there. Um, but this one just blew me away the first time I heard it. I think we actually heard this song together for the first time when we were watching South Park. Yeah. And the, the Yahweh episode. Yeah, yeah. Tweaking Craig. And we were just like, what the fuck was that? And then immediately looked it up and we're just like, holy shit, this is incredible. That's, that's how we first found it. It's a great episode. And the song, like, just hits you right away. You're like, whoa. Like, it's incredibly romantic. It is. And so romantic that I actually chose this as the song I would dance to first at my wedding and did so. Um, because I just love... It. There's not so many, like, positive love songs. Um, they're much harder to find. And this was just... It just really stood out to me. And this, more so than the original, it's, it's very different. His voice is a lot more monotone um, in, um, in the original version. And I think Peter Gabriel just shows off how talented he is by kind of taking it in a slightly different direction and the the, the orchestra is just so beautiful the original is just kind of like an acoustic guitar and a very basic strumming pattern and this just really kind of like spins it in a completely different way um it's just so beautiful and so perfect to me and it's my favorite cover it's not that it's not like the you would I, I have a hard time with some of these lists because I'm like, man, like, what is the song that I would want to show somebody first? But, like, if, you, if it was just, like, you and one of your friends and, like, this was the first cover song you put on, they might, like, look at you like, what are you, what are you trying to tell me? Yeah, right. Like, do you, you said the mood, bro? Yeah, like, are you, are you going in for a kiss? Um, it, it, but it is insanely beautiful. And you never want to tip them off before you go in for the kiss. Right, yeah. <laughs> um, it's just, it's just a, a beautiful version of a song beautiful lyrics um and i just absolutely love it and i think it's it's one of those songs like with a johnny cash hurt another great cover that we don't have on this list yeah so i think like that song with this peter gabriel song like the age in his voice lends to it. oh yeah absolutely you know I mean? that it really this is a man who it sounds more like a person looking back on their incredible life mm -hmm. and like the love that they had and it's it's less about like I don't know. It, it doesn't seem like such a spontaneous love song. It's like, no, no, no. This is like real. Yeah. Like this is a real learned love. I think you're right. You can definitely hear it in his voice. It's got that like perfect amount of like, like age, aging to it. Like, like it's just fine wine. Yeah. It's just crackling a little bit in all the right parts. It's just, yeah. It's mm -hmm. And like I said, like the, the original is so, so much more monotone and it's not as, um, it's a great song, but it's not as clever as the way Peter Gabriel did it. He really, um, he really improves upon it in a way that I I don't know that anybody else could because not everybody's voice ages as well as that. It's true. All right, cool. All right. So, so uh, with that, uh, I will say I'll let everybody know that this week for the playlist that we'll have on Spotify, um, accompanying this week's episode, we are going to include both the covers and the originals in that playlist. So you really can hear the difference. Um, hear why we chose these as phenomenal covers, and mm -hmm. I think uh. It'll be much more enjoyable. It'll be a much longer playlist, too, so you'll get 20 songs, um, and you'll get to hear kind of where our thought process was with some of these. Yeah, I think that's important. Um, you always want to know where it came from, and a lot of these are similar to the originals, which is cool because some people just write great songs on the first try and don't don't need much tinkering, but the ones that were tinkered with, I think you're really going to enjoy, and um, hopefully you hear some versions of these maybe you know the cover and not the original and 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 that takes you that down that path too um yeah 
All right. Cool. All right. So that wraps up our top 10. Dan, tell everyone where they can find us. All right. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram under at D&D Music Factory. That's the letter D, the letter N, and the letter D again, followed by Music Factory. Uh, you can find me personally at at Lukewarm Steve Austin on Instagram and Dave at at DF Hughes Jr. on Twitter and Instagram. And of course, if you'd like to hear this week's songs without any of our witty banter or input, uh, the weekly playlist can be heard on Spotify. Search under D&D Music Factory for playlists and you can subscribe to make sure you get notified when the list comes up each week. All right. See you next Tuesday. See you next Tuesday.